to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Shanti Hershenson's first two novellas were published when she was in sixth grade, although her writing journey started long before then. Ever since she could hold a pencil, marker, or crayon, she was creating stories. They started from pictures, mere scribbles, and eventually turned into captivating tales. Shanti lives in California with her parents, sister, and furry friends. Besides writing, she enjoys skateboarding, beyblading, free running, falconry, and of course, reading. She writes in a variety of genres, including science fiction, fantasy, and historical fiction, although she mostly sticks to sci-fi. She advocates for anti-bullying, and you may find her at open mic nights, yeah, you heard that right, performing her spoken word poem, Needles and Thorns, which is why, which is about the struggle of bullying in middle schools. Shanti, welcome to Momnificent. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is so fun. Oh, I'm so excited about this. What is one thing you've done recently that you haven't done for a while that just brings you joy? So related to writing, um, I haven't recently gone through a lot of my old writing. I used to do it a ton um, a few years ago, and um, we just moved. So I just dug up all of these um, old writings I have from elementary school. Some of them are poems, little like scribbles and pictures. And a lot of them have like actual elements of real books. I found one that has like a back cover. It's like other books by the author. And of course, none of these are actual books I published. But it just brings me so much joy to go back and see where I started from. That is so cool. And at school, it is so fun. Uh, For those of you who are listening that might not know, I'm an elementary school principal. And I love when a kid comes up and they're like, look, I'm writing a story. Look, I'm writing a book. And I just get fired up because I'm like, you go. That's awesome. Like, you can do that. So how, how did you end up writing your first novella? And like, maybe like what inspired you in your younger years to write? I'm not sure what inspired me. I used to go into bookstores and see the pictures of the authors like on the window. And I was like, I want to be one of them. But I didn't actually get around to it until the start of sixth grade. when I wrote these two novellas with my friend and we ended up publishing them. And um, that really didn't go anywhere. I don't like those novellas. Honestly, they're like completely different from how my work is now. (laughs) That's so funny. So 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 it's like a dual author because I didn't notice that it's. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, the, my first two books um, I wrote with my friend. And then actually, uh, a few months later, I went ahead and I started, like, right in the middle of the pandemic, I started writing a novel, Biome Lock. And it turned out to be 800 pages long. And it was like 250,000 words. And That's it was crazy. so long that it was split into three separate novels. And then I wrote a fourth one because I'm never oh going to be done God. with the Biome <laughs> Well, and probably the next thing is that someone's going to come along and be like, hey, Shanti, we want to turn this into a movie. I really hope one day that'll happen. Like I have some yeah. books that I would really like to see as um, movies. Oh my gosh, I could totally see that happening. I know it will. So Shadi, how hard is it to publish a book? What can you tell us about publishing a book and how did you do that? So depending on how you do it, I think um, both, so traditional publishing is the um, kind of 
I guess the traditional way of publishing a book where you send it to an agent, you, you get an agent, and then they send it off to publishers. The process is a little more complicated than that. Personally, for me, as a 14-year-old, and then, of course, um, I used to be a 13-year-old author, now I'm a 14-year-old author, and um, like traditional publishing for me is not something I've actually really in-depth thought about yet. Right now, all of my books, um, nine of them now, are uh, self-published through Amazon.com. And I think as someone who's just starting out, that's a great way to kind of get build a platform, get my work out there, and build this um, portfolio. And the way to do that, um, well, there are a number of ways to do it. I think my favorite is um, Kindle Direct Publishing, which is owned by Amazon. And you upload your book, you fill out the details, um, and then you can put it online. And you can get really cool paperbacks. And um, they do hardcovers now, but I actually do my hardcovers through a different platform because I'm, I like the dust jackets and I like having them in bookstores. Oh my gosh. Do you do, you do like a book signing at a local bookstore near you? I'm, um, I have a couple of those in the works right now, so it's definitely something that's going to happen soon. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Okay, I can't wait to follow you and see a picture of that. Um, I just I absolutely love that. So what do you do when you have writer's block? So um, for me, writer's block usually comes in a strange way where I know exactly what I want to write. But because of that, it doesn't allow me to have much creativity on the spot. And because of that, I kind of freeze up and I just am ha I have trouble like getting the words on the paper. And it's actually for me, it's easier to write when I don't know what's going to happen beforehand. And usually I think the only way I can really resolve the writer's block is I go online, I listen to music that correlates with the scene I'm writing. And I imagine the scene playing out. And I try to imagine the words I'm going to use in the scene and how I'm going to write it. And I kind of just sit down and with a fresh kind of mindset, write it. So I could like totally see you like being the, the the director of your movie, of your book one day. Yeah, I, um, I'm i interested in screenwriting too. So um, sometime I'm gonna learn how to actually like write screenplays. I used to kind of, when I was in between um, my first two novellas in my big, um, like my first novel, Biomlock, I was writing screenplays. And one of them, I think was it like, actually two of them were Star Wars screenplays and then Biomlock started as a screenplay that didn't actually finish and instead turned into a novel very quickly because, um, Screenplays are, they're different and I wasn't used to them, but like one day I'm going to probably go back to doing that as well as novels. Yeah, I could totally see that. And like out of curiosity, what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, besides writing, it's like, I think I'm going to be sticking with writing for a really long time. But along with that, I've thought about um, being, of course, a screenwriter or a director. And I want to do something with marketing and I want to learn how to market my books better. So maybe I'll have to go, I'll go to school for marketing or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything that's like related to writing. I've thought about being a ghostwriter when I grew up. I'm hoping like uh, my books alone will be able to um, be enough. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. All right, so I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here because I know that you're really passionate about anti-bullying, which is also near and dear to my heart as a school principal because I have a lot of parents and kids who will come to my school and be like, is there bullying at your school? And I'm like, I always want to say, you always want to say no, but kids are human and humans, we, we do say things that we regret or maybe if, if I got hurt by something, I might say something hurtful. I, I tell kids like, hurt people hurt people. Like it, it, it happens, but we have a lot of processes in place. And the minute anything happens, like I really encourage parents and kids to tell the teacher right away, tell me so we can you know follow up and see what's going on. And what do you see or experience growing up that led to this passion in the area of anti-bullying? 
So I got bullied a lot, at least my sister and I did um, in elementary school, like for a number of things. Like I got bullied because I loved Hawks. I was obsessed with Hawks. I used to um, do Falcon. I practiced falconry. I um, used to always wear shirts that had Hawks on them. I had a Hawk necklace. And that kind of translated to I got bullied for playing Beyblades because I was the only girl who played um, Beyblades, which were battling spinning tops. And um, slowly, though, that started to turn into something that was worse than anything I dealt with. And in sixth grade, um, the bullying and even beyond that, I'm sometimes hesitant to call it bullying. It was really horrific. Um, and that like, I just was like, okay, things can't stay the same. And I often was like told, oh, this is just middle school. That's what happens. It's normal. And I was just ast- like astounded to hear that. I was like, just kind of freaking out. And I ended up writing a novel told in poetry about the bullying that my sister and I dealt with. And it's called You Won't Know Her Name. It is my most popular book by far. It um, it wasn't originally supposed to be my most popular book. I just wanted to write it, to write it and publish it just to get it off my chest. And it completely blew up. And then I wrote another poetry book about um, called I Know Her Name. And both those books have led me to start um, like working more towards anti-bullying, to doing things, to wanting to try to speak at schools and like all of that. Yeah. How old is your sister in relation to you? Uh, she's the same age as me. We're both, uh, we're twins. So we're both 14. Oh, wow. And I bet that that book is so popular because so many people and kids relate to it. I mean, it's funny, like when I was a kid, like, I don't know if you, you can kind of tell, but my nose is kind of pointy. It's probably like this German characteristic feature. And 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 people made fun of my nose. Like it was really hurtful, like, right? I mean, and, and you never, you never forget those things. And so... We try at school to create this culture of kindness, you know, and when kids do say things to another kid, like I do a whole process with them where I'm like, what did they do or say and how did that make you feel? And when they share that, I, I do ask the other kid, like, did they do anything that made you feel or not, not so great? Because at times it could be something both ways or it could be, well, I didn't realize that what I said really made you feel that way, but now I do. And then I tell them like, so what can you do about that now? Um, so that's that's a really special that you you took a risk to write that story, which probably wasn't wasn't so easy. Um, but look how many people it's touching and really speaking to, right? Mm-hmm. I've that's had um, like people at my school like read the book and they've slipped notes into my backpack and being like, "Thank you for writing this. This is like something similar happened to me, or like this is so relatable. I'm so glad you did this." And it just it made me really wow. sad, but it also warmed my heart a little. Yeah, because I think if you talk about it, then kids can know that they're not alone. And sometimes they can feel like, gosh, I'm the only one. And everybody else is so popular, has little circle friends, but me. And really, you're not the only one. And and there are people who really empathize and feel with how you're feeling. So Shanti, like if a parent is struggling with their child being bullied, or or maybe they they, they fear them being bullied, or what advice would you give them? I think the most important thing parents can do is stand beside their child, intervene if needed, go talk to the school, make sure the kid's not alone and they're not trying to handle it alone. Um, For me, my parents, they're really supportive. Whenever I was bullied, they were in the office, you know, trying to make sure things were happening in, um, in sixth grade that couldn't happen. The school refused to do anything. They had their loads of excuses, even when other people were coming forward. Um, But parents like stand by your kid, um, let them know they're, you know, they're not alone and like talk them through it and just make sure like they're doing okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then what, what would you say to a kid or, or maybe for a parent listening to know for their kid? Because sometimes I say it's easy for us as adults to say to a kid, when something happens, go tell someone. When, some, when someone does something, say, why did you do that? Or I don't like that. It's so easy for us to say those things, but it can be so difficult in the moment. So is there anything else you would say to help me help kids or help parents help their kids in those moments to get help or reach out to the school counselor like what can help them I think um the most important thing to help kids they're being bullied is to let them know that like this bully is not their friend I see in too many situations the the bully is someone who disguises themselves as a friend of the person and um would be like one moment with their friend and the next it's like you know, just being horrible to them and to try to make sure that if something's happening, they are distanced until they are on good terms. And even then to be really watchful to make sure nothing happens. Because I think in almost all of the situations when I've been bullied, I was friends with that person at one point. And of course that friendship turned into something that was abusive and horrible. Yeah. And it's kind of like when I have kids playing on the playground and they're like, you know, so-and-so did this to me. And I'm like, okay, wait, you were just playing like three seconds ago, like both of you completely involved without any indication that one of you was having a problem. But as it comes out, it's always that it gets to a point where one of them did something that the other one thought that wasn't so fun anymore. And and it's kind of like that. Like it's, it's always like fun and games until like someone gets hurt or someone doesn't say, hey, no, that really did bother me when you, you did that. And so that's interesting how you're saying like there could be like friends or at some point you, you are friends with that person and then but then sometimes it can turn, you know, into something that isn't healthy and it's hurtful. What would you say we can do to prevent bullying in schools? Pay more attention than I think is like give more attention than like you would normally do um, in many situations where I've been bullied, like in, especially in fourth grade, kids were ripping my papers and um, yeah, a lot of times she was ripping my writing too. And the teacher was right there. And the teacher would go and ask the kids, Hey, what's going on? And they would be like, Oh, nothing. But clearly there wasn't nothing. Like there wasn't nothing going on. And I think, watch and as soon as something happens intervene let the bullies know early on that this is not okay behavior because if you let them um repeat this so many times they're going to be like well i can do it i haven't gotten in trouble in the past and they become a greater and greater problem and and what would you say because sometimes shanti like kids say things that another kid said or did and the teacher didn't see it and the teacher hasn't seen any of it. And that's so hard, you know, because we're only working on what the kids said. And like, what would you say to us in that situation? I think pay close attention to the student to see if they're doing it. And I think also very often um, when someone's hurting someone else, whether it's both physical, physically or emotionally, they're not going to do it when there's a teacher around. They might be very clever about it. And in that case, you really got to watch. You have to listen because often it's like it's going on. It's going to happen to multiple different students if it's not dealt with. And honestly, I think if, if two, two students like say the same thing or something similar and it, and it probably happened twice, that might be enough to intervene or talk to the bully and talk to the student like that they you know claimed it happened to and get the story from them if they're comfortable. And something that we have put in place in my school, which actually was from a 
anti-bullying program that we piloted actually out of Finland, of all places. Um, a local university asked us to pilot it, and there was one piece in there that we've continued ever since, and that's when it comes to the school counselor or my level. We do, after we do our whole problem solving, talking to each kid, talking to the kids together, contacting their parents, we put in our schedule to touch base with that child a week later because we want to hear, is it continuing? Has anything happened since? Has nothing happened? And that's our, our, I really like that piece. I never really did that until this program came along and had that part in there. And um, I think that's really helpful too. Yeah, that's definitely something that's really important. Yeah, and it, it gives the child an, an opportunity to be like, no, actually something did happen. Or, you know, because sometimes kids don't, for whatever reason, tell a teacher or tell somebody or feel like they are comfortable sharing something. And then it, it, it's it's not like they have to go seek, seek somebody out. The counselor or myself will come back to them. It's definitely a problem that a lot of students being bullied won't go to the teacher in some way. They'll be afraid to. In my case, it was the bully would go, if you tell anyone what I just did, I'm going to go kill you or, or I'm going to do something to themselves. And that, especially with older kids, is a lot more common where threats are put in place to make sure because the bully knows they've messed up a lot of the time or they know they've done something that could get them in trouble. Maybe they don't think it's wrong necessarily. And in, in my situation, we were both my sister and I were very scared to come forward because the bully was like, I'm going to kill you if you tell anyone what I just did. Wow. And so how did you deal with that? Like emotionally, psychologically? I um, was very kind of upset for a really long time. And I think writing actually was why it helped. Um, it's in the, it's in you Know her name where I wrote poetry about what happened. And that was my way of telling people a lot of the time what happened is I wrote a poem and I've written multiple poems since I actually have a whole poetry book published about um bullying about what happened and that was my biggest way of coming forward though actually at um a point when things were getting really really bad the bully physically attacked me and that got me to realize like I'm gonna come forward and I went and I told my parents and I told my school and that was the point where my school intervened but they didn't at the same time they didn't get the bully in enough trouble that was needed. And the bully, you know, went on to really not, you know, of course, despise me and um, actually just went on and kept doing it to other people. <laughs> like she knew she couldn't really hurt me, but she could do it to anyone else she'd liked. Yeah. And so what's something you want to leave our listeners with today? Like what's an important lesson that you've learned in life that, that you want to leave us with today? I think, um, on a bullying front, come forward as soon as you can. Don't be scared of the bullies and find ways to get away from them. And on a, on a writing topic, if you're like trying to write a book, if you're young or old, do it. Put the words on the paper. Don't worry so much about how long your book is or how captivating the first line is because you can always change that later. And especially if you're young too, um, don't let your age get in the way because if I can do it, you can too. <laughs> I know that's why I just love 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 when I found you. I was like, this is the going to be the coolest interview. And so, what are you currently working on today, this week? So, um, I'm working on my 15th and 16th book right now. Um, one of them is a dystopian novel, um, and it's not it's different than all of my other dystopian novels. So I'm very excited about it. I'm about quarter a quarter of the way done, maybe perhaps less than that. Um, 
in the other um, book I'm working on, I actually just recently started it, is a poetry book. And it's genuinely just about what it's like being a teen author. And it's also about, it's about other things too, but it's mostly just this compilation of poems that I don't know if I really like or not. And it's just, it's been very interesting so far. <laughs> that is so cool. But how do you have time to try, make time for all this? Um, usually I try to write, um, sometime during the school day. I'm in my creative writing elective. So I have like about an hour at the end of the day, um, to write. And that's not every day, unfortunately. And I write when I get home on the days when I don't have my elective, I usually kind of have to shift between my schoolwork, which thankfully I don't have much of and, um, my writing. And I do a thousand words every day on school days. I try to do a little more than that on weekends. I did about 5,000 words, um, uh, the other day, right before I started school, and I just, I try to fit in writing whenever I can. Sometimes it's really late at night and I'll be just like one more sentence and that will turn into a chapter and so forth. And you actually like count the words like thousand words a day. That's impressive. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So Shanti, where can someone find and follow you? So you can find me um, mainly on my website where I post about my books and I have um, the links to all my books, all my interviews, everything. Um, and my website is shantihershenson.com, S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-H-E-N-S-O-N.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at shantihershenson and TikTok, surprisingly, which has been going extremely well for me, um, <laughs> is at Shanti Who Writes. That's awesome. All right. I'll add all those in the description links of this show. And um, Shanti, you are an inspiration. Keep going, girl. You're going to help so many lives. You've helped so many already. And it's truly a, a privilege and honor to have met you today. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry. Be happy.